this time I'm going to welcome uh, the one and only Mike Benson. If you guys can give him a big hand because he deserves it. Here he is. Good morning, gentlemen. How's everybody doing? Ooh, my favorite holiday is almost upon us. Yes, and the ordinance has already been purchased. Uh, I, I figure my wife and I were talking, we need to talk to our neighborhood association and maybe we need to offer some free headphones or something uh, to help with the noise. Uh, um, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Mike Benson. I'm the in-house evangelist here at Resurrection Life. I also have the privilege of heading up the Conquerors International Strength Team, which is a group of athletes who get to break stuff for a living. We don't get in trouble for it, and we present the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's why we live, is to present and promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, I'm going to get right into it, guys. I want to talk to you this morning about demonstrating Satan's defeat. Demonstrating his defeat. And I want to go over with you God's vision and his will for all of humanity. Not just men, but for every single human being on the face of the planet. The first part of that is he wants everyone to walk in liberty. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, emancipation from bondage, true freedom. God's will is that no human walks on this planet in any kind of bondage. John 8.32, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The truth is not a theological concept. It's not an ideology. The truth is a person, and his name is Jesus Christ. Knowing Jesus Christ intimately is the, tr is the truth, and it's the key to freedom. He doesn't want people just to know about him, sing songs about him, hear sermons about him. He wants an intimate relationship with every person human on the face of the planet. John 8, 36 says, Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Jesus doesn't do anything halfway. He does it all the way. If he makes you free, you are going to be free. There's no areas where, oh, I'm free, but I got this area or that. No, he makes you 100% free. He doesn't half step. And the second thing is he wants every single human being to walk in power. Luke 10:19 this is in the passion translation this is my favorite translation of the scripture Now you understand that I have imparted to you all my authority to trample over his kingdom You will trample upon every demon before you and overcome every power Satan possesses Absolutely nothing will be able to harm you as you walk in this authority. Notice, he said, you will. You have to make, you have to willingly walk in this authority. You've been delegated authority. Jesus says, all authority in heaven and earth has been granted to me. And he's delegated it to every one of his followers, every one of his brothers, every one of the child of the kingdom of heaven. You will trample upon, and, and anything that steals, kills, and destroys in your life or the lives of those around you comes from Satan. So, mm, 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 mm. 
And the other thing he wants us to do is he wants us to enforce the victory, not only in our lives, but in those around us. You see, I, I like to use the police officer illustration. If a police officer pulls up to an intersection and he stands out and goes like this and says, stop, you're going to stop. <laughs> now, if I walk out there, I may be big, and I walk in the intersection and put my hand up, I'm going to get some sign language my way. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> some colorful language, some sign language. <laughs> Who are you? And the police officer, they don't stop because of the man, they stop because of the uniform. Because the uniform and the badge represents delegated authority. That police officer off-duty steps in there. He can do the same thing. He's going to get the same reaction that I would get. Because no one, they don't recognize his authority. 1 Corinthians 15, 25. Until then, he is destined to reign as king until all hostility has been subdued and placed under his feet. 1 Corinthians 15, 27, For he, the Father, has put all things in subjection under his, Christ's feet. And Ephesians 1, says, And he put all things in every realm in subjection under Christ's feet and appointed him as supreme and authoritative head over all things in the church. Now, the police officer, to enforce his authority, he has a sidearm. And a lot of times they carry long rifles now. So that if nobody, if somebody wants to rebel against that authority, he's got some power or she has some power to back it up. Hmm. See, Christ didn't just give us his authority, he also gave us his power. Hmm. Hosea 4, 6, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. It says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And the Bible is not talking about information, because information gives a connotation that you do not have something and you are informed. You need to get it from an outside source. I'm informed. I need the knowledge. The Bible is talking about revelation. Revelation trumps information every time. Revelation is revealing something that is hidden or secret that's always been there. We need a revelation of our authority in Jesus Christ. We need a revelation of the power that comes with that authority. Because un until the end of this age comes, until he sets up his kingdom on this earth, we have been given an assignment, and that's a mop-up operation. <laughs> you know, when a military invades a country and they overthrow the government of that country, there's still pockets of resistance, and it's called a mop-up operation, right? They have to go and subdue the insurgency and all these other things, all right? That's what we are. We are in a cosmic insurgency from a defeated enemy who's still trying to get his last digs in before the end is up. And the only reason Jesus hasn't come back is because there's still people out there who are in bondage, they're lost, they're dying, and they're being destroyed by the enemy. And Jesus is looking at us to bring them revelation, to bring them freedom, and to, to show them the mirror of who they are. 
Mm -mm -mm. So one thing that we have authority over is the demonic and their attacks. 1 John 4, 17. By living in God, love has brought to its full expression in us so that we may fearlessly face the day of judgment because all that Jesus is now, so are we in the world. Everything that Jesus is now, we are to be in the world. And the benchmark or the standard of a disciple is the life of Jesus Christ. That's what disciples do. They follow the master and they mimic the master. When Jesus walked this earth, every single attempt by Satan to put anything on him, to thwart him, to destroy him, he couldn't touch him. He was Teflon Jesus. Can't touch this. I'm dating myself now. Hammer time. He couldn't do it. The enemy threw out all his weapons and he could not touch Jesus. Here's um, an example. Luke 4, 29 and 30. They mobbed Jesus and threw him out of the city, dragging him to the edge of the cliff on the hill on which the city had been built, ready to hurl him off. But he walked right through the crowd, leaving them all stunned. Now, that, that happened because Jesus, as his custom was, was to show up on synagogue every Saturday, and he started reading from the scriptures, and it was describing the Messiah, and he said, I'm the man. He made a declaration. He wasn't ashamed of who he was. The enemy's number one target in your life is your identity. Because if he can deceive you and keep you from finding out who you are, and whose you are, then he can keep you from exercising your authority and power. That is what he is afraid of. We feel fear because the enemy is full of fear. He is scared to death of every one of us. And he does not want us to find out <clears throat> who we are in Christ and what our inheritance is. Because once we do, <clears throat> it's on then. <laughs> Ain't no fun when a rabbit's got the gun. <laughs> I experienced this myself. <clears throat> Many of you know my story. I spent 11 years in prison, drugs, guns, crime, all that stuff. My I did mine on the installment plan. I did five years, uh, became a better criminal, got out, got in trouble, went back down for six. The second time I went down, I met Jesus, had an encounter with Jesus, and changed my life. And then I became a Bible thumper in prison. My ministry literally started in prison. I was locked up at the Michigan Reformatory, um, <clears throat> which they called Gladiator School at the time. It's one of the oldest prisons. And when I went to the, to the quartermaster, they said, yeah, step over there and grab your trash can lid and screwdriver. I said, what? What are you talking about? Welcome to Gladiator School. <laughs> I mean, there was guys literally on a daily basis being stabbed, several killings. I mean, it was a violent place. And I had a reputation in prison from my first five years. It wasn't a good one in the world's community, but in the prison community, it was really good because it was one of violence. And violence keeps you safe. But I laid that down. Now I was all about Jesus. And I'm on the yard one day, and three guys approach me. 
And they basically said in, in, in rated G language, <laughs> If, a guy, if, if some guys come up to you and you got all that Jesus stuff and they got knives and they about to stab you, what you going to do then, huh? I says, if they try to lay a finger on me, the angel of the Lord who encamps around me will strike them down before they lay a finger on me. And they were like, man, he crazy. He believed that stuff. <laughs> and they were gone. But I was telling them the truth. Do you know that you have angels assigned to you? They are there to serve and to carry out God's plan and God's will in your life. I keep my angel busy. My angel needs some stress leave or something, man. I got that mug on. I mean, I got him on overtime. I speak to my angels because I know they're there. I say thank you. Thank you for serving. Thank you for, for being the right hand. Thank you for helping. You know, when I'm ministering at different churches and stuff, he gives me words at times. I, I can tell the difference when it comes from an angelic word or if it comes from the Holy Spirit. How many of us even acknowledge that we have angelic protection? I could tell you story after story where we've been in danger. I mean, literal danger. I've seen people shot dead in front of me and nothing came near us. We, it was like we were standing in a, in a bubble. Man, if I had time, I'd tell you some stories from Pakistan that would just pff, totally. <laughs> it, it had nothing to do with our size or anything. It was all supernatural, let me tell you. Um, the other thing now, let me read this one, Luke 4, 31 through 36. Jesus went to Capernaum in Galilee and taught the people on the Sabbath day. His teachings stunned and dazed them, for he spoke with penetrating words that manifested great authority. In the congregation, there was a demonized man who screamed out with a loud voice, Hey, you, go away and leave us alone. I know who you are. You're Jesus of Nazareth, God's holy one. Why are you coming to meddle with us? You have come to destroy us already. <laughs> Just then the demon hurried the man down on, hurled the man down on the floor in front of them all. But Jesus rebuked the demon, be quiet and come out of him. And the demon came out of him with a, without causing any harm to him. Great astonishment swept over the people. They said among themselves, what kind of man is this who has such power and authority? With a mere word, he commands demons to come out and they obey him. Our mission should be the same as our master's mission. The scripture says, for this reason was the son of God revealed to destroy the works of the enemy. Jesus said, I didn't come here to make friends. I didn't come here to start a club. I didn't come here to get a Bible study going. I came here to destroy the works of Satan and to establish the kingdom of heaven on earth. That was his own purpose mission statement. And that's what our purpose should be. We should not be defensive believers in Jesus Christ. We need to be offensive 
When the enemy messes with you, you not only need to deal with the attack, you need to make him pay a price for even messing with you. Go on the offensive. When you're having a down day, when you're feeling like you're the world's worst disciple of Jesus Christ, you've messed up royally, instead of having a pity party, you need to get up and say, you know what, I'm going to make you pay, devil. Even if it's your flesh causing all your problems, make him pay anyway. (laughs) He's a whipping boy. (laughs) I love making him pay, by the way. We also have authority over sickness. All sickness emanates from the enemy. Sin started with Satan, right? He convinced man that man could do a better job on his own. He didn't need God. He could be his own God. Man bought into the lie, committed sin, and brought sin onto the earth. Sickness is here. Death is here because of sin. And it all started with Satan. It did not emanate from God. Any dis- anything that steals, kills, or destroys in your life did not come from God. It came from Satan. Now, there are spirits of infirmity, people who have sicknesses, the doctors can't explain it, and then there's like a common cold. Don't take it to the extreme. A cold, you know, I've, I've had some people who are... <laughs> Crazy enough, you know, you got the sniffles. You got a demon in your nose. (laughs) No, you don't have a demon in your nose. You have a cold. (laughs) Your body is fighting off allergens and whatever. But, But the point is, everything, the earth is the way it is because of sin, and sin came from the enemy. You have authority over sin and over sickness. You have authority over it. Delegated authority. Luke 4, 39 through 40. Jesus stood over her and rebuked the fever. And she was healed instantly. Then she got up and began to serve him. At sunset, the people brought all who were sick to Jesus to be healed. Jesus laid his hands on them one by one, and they were all healed of different ailments and sicknesses. Jesus rebuked the fever. There's nowhere in here where I find Jesus praying and asking the Father to heal anyone. He didn't lay hands on him and say, Father, if it's your will, let the sickness pass from thy servant. (laughs) No, he rebuked the sickness. He said, Be healed. He rebuked the fever. He said, get out of here. He exercised his authority over sickness. And it says every person that came to him, one by one, were healed. All this lie about, well, God heals some, he doesn't heal others. It's the mysteries of the Lord. We don't know why, all that other stuff. (laughs) Jesus laid his hands on them. It didn't say he said a word. He laid his hands on them. I, you know, I, I, I've read these scriptures over and over. And recently I was reading this and it occurred to me, the Holy Spirit brought it up to me that I, he, he was actually challenging me to lay hands on people without saying a word. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> 
that's contrary to my programming. <laughs> You're supposed to lay hands on them and say stuff. <laughs> you know, you got to exercise a name. And I'm not saying you don't say anything, but Jesus laid hands on them and they were healed. The hand represents authority. You raise your hand in court, <laughs> raise your right hand, <laughs> right? Take a solemn oath. The police officer raises his hand to stop people. Hand represents authority. Jesus exercised his authority over sickness. His message from start to finish was the kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom of heaven is here. It's now. I have authority. The kingdom is back. We're here to take back what belongs to us. And let me show you, I'm not just talking, I'm showing you. I have authority over sickness. I have authority over demonic powers and principalities. And now I'm giving you the authority. I'm deputizing all of you. Luke 5, 12 through 14. One day while Jesus was ministering in a certain city, he came upon a man covered with leprous sores. When the man recognized Jesus, he fell on his face at Jesus' feet and begged to be healed, saying, if you are only willing, you could completely heal me. Jesus reached out and touched him and said, of course I am willing to heal you, and now you will be healed. Instantly, the leprous sores were healed and his skin became smooth. Not one time in the scriptures does Jesus ever deny anyone healing. The only time his healing power was thwarted was when he was among his own hometown and among his family. <laughs> Trust me. I've seen miracles, I have, I mean, I, on a daily basis, people healed miraculously. In my own family, no bueno. I come home, it's, hey, man, you should have seen what happened today, honey, it was awesome, God was, uh, hey, the garbage needs to go out. <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> Familiarity breeds contempt. The scripture says he could do no mighty works there. Just say he wouldn't. He said he could not because of their unbelief. Because they were like, who's this? Je oh, you the big prophet, man? You're just Jesus. You're just a carpenter's son. That's all. We know who you are. You ain't got no power. So don't be expecting the miraculous among your family in your own hometown, all right? People who know you or think they know you. There's only one who really knows you. You don't even know yourself. He's the only one who really knows you. You got issues. You shouldn't be talking to a shrink. You should be talking to the Holy Ghost. The other thing he gives us authority over is lack. Lack or a mindset of measure. People make so many decisions based on resources instead of basing it on vision. Luke 5, 5 through 6, Master, Peter replied, we've just come back from fishing all night and didn't catch a thing. But if you insist, we'll go out again and let down our nets because of your word. When they pulled up their nets, they were shocked to see a huge catch of fish, so much that their nets were ready to burst. 
Jesus had to insist. They've been out now, these guys are professional fishermen. They didn't fish for Bass Pro Fisherman of the Year Award. They fished for a living. <laughs> that was their income. They went out there and they had the worst day ever. They didn't care. They were out there all day, everything. And it must have been perfect conditions for fishing, otherwise they wouldn't have been out there all day. And they came back and said, man, and Jesus says, hey, he's standing there, put out your nets. I can imagine Peter, he'd be the one, he's impetuous. <laughs> he'd probably be like, all right, Jesus, I know you're son of God stuff, holiness, you know, preacher stuff, but this is fisherman stuff. <laughs> we know fishermen. <laughs> we know the elements. We got this down. Jesus, you need to stick to your lane. <laughs> Jesus is like, no, <laughs> there wouldn't be no fish there unless I put them there. <laughs> put down your net again and Peter said okay according to your word meaning it's on you Jesus if we look like fools they had a net bursting catch you can go man's ways or you can go God's ways if you want to go man's ways I don't care how the economy is how anything is going you, you you're you're subject to man's ways you go God's ways there's an abundance and there's never lack you want the key to supernatural debt reduction and wealth? Follow God's word. And I'll give you a hint. Give your way out of debt and give your way into wealth. The kingdom of heaven is upside down from the world's kingdom. Luke 6:38. Give generously and generous gifts will be given back to you, shaken down to make room for more. Abundant gifts will pour out upon you with such an overflowing measure that it will run over the top. Your measurement of generosity becomes the measurement of your return. If you're willing to give a little that you have left over, don't be expecting a net bursting load of fish. If God tells you to give it all and you give it all, then you better look out. Because there's a tidal wave of financial blessing coming to you. We are conduits on this earth. We're not reservoirs. I am all for 401ks, retirement. I'm, I'm for that. I'm not against that. I'm not, I'm not espousing some crazy stuff like that. But if my 401k plans come up against a word from the Lord, I'm following what the Lord says. Because... None of the money is yours anyway. If you're a child of God, it doesn't belong to you. Your life does not belong to you. It belongs to him. Mm -hmm. Well, this is what I'm going to do with my life, and this is how I'm going to plan my future and all that. Really? <laughs> like, again, I'm not, I'm not saying don't plan. Hmm. And we have authority over offenses. Offenses is the number one strategy the enemy used to cut you off from your authority and from the power of God. Doesn't cut God off from you, cuts you off from God. God will never leave you, never forsake you. The enemy deceives us into cutting ourselves off from our authority and our power supply. Six, uh, Luke 6, 27 through 28. But if you will listen, I say to you, love your enemies and do something wonderful for them in return for their hatred. 
When someone curses, you bless that person in return. When you are mistreated and harassed by others, accept it as your mission to pray for them. You know, the enemy is the supernatural idiot. I don't even have to go out and find people to pray for. He sends them. And it's not in the form of a prayer request or can you pray for me. It's in the form of persecution. People start persecuting, talking smack. I'm like, oh, this is who I'm praying for. <laughs> Offenses happen, but you don't have to take them. I'm going to make a statement. This is a true statement. There is not a person on this earth who can offend me. There's only two people who can get to my heart, my wife and my kids. They're the only two humans on the face of this planet who can get to my heart and do damage. Nobody else can. You can say offensive things. You can say, you can do offensive things to me. I may feel it, but I'm not going to take it in my heart. Because I've trained myself that my first response is to pray for them. Oh, man, you did a doozy. You're going to get blasted by the Holy Spirit. You're going to get blasted, bro. <laughs> You're going to be saved, healed, delivered. You're probably going to preach the gospel someday. When you can walk on this earth without taking offense, that's true power. That's true power. Remember, as he is on the earth, so are we. Mm. So, we have this authority and power. How come we're not experiencing it? Because we have to exercise and release it. To whom much is given, much is required. To he who has little, even the little he has will be taken away. Sow sparingly, reap sparingly. It goes in the financial, that's where we usually think of it, but it also goes with what God gives us. Matthew 10, 7 through 8, as you go, preach this message. Heaven's kingdom realm is accessible, close enough to touch. You must continually bring healing to lepers and to those who are sick and make it your habit to break off the demonic presence from people and raise the dead back to life. Freely you have received the power of the kingdom, so freely release it to others. It's not yours, let it go. The authority is given to you, not for you. It's to exercise and release into others' lives. The ability to heal people is not for you. When I have a, 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 an attack of sickness, I ask people to pray for me. If you exercise and release the power and authority of the kingdom, you will increase in it. Trust me, you will increase in it. I, I'm, I, am, I am so in the zone on this stuff right now. I'm telling you. I'm looking for dead people. Serious. I'm, I am. I'm, I'm asking the Holy Spirit on a daily basis. I want to I I see the dead raised, Lord. He's like, hold up. <laughs> you got to do this other crazy stuff I'm asking you to do. Our time is up. If I had a couple more hours, I'd share with you some more stuff, but I don't. <laughs> some of you have to get to work. But if this has been stirring something in your heart, 
and you are willing to do something with it. And I mean, I don't, I don't mean talk about it. I mean, leave this building and go do something about it. Like find somebody who has a sickness or a disease and go up to them and say, hey, look, man, you, you got a pain, you got a thing or something, Jesus will heal you of that right now, guaranteed. Don't say, well, maybe if I pray. No, do it with boldness and authority and start exercising. If you're willing to do that, stay afterward. I'm going to pray for you for an impartation of the anointing. But you can only receive it if you're going to use it. Otherwise, you, you just go head on. And if you have a sickness or a disease or an injury or anything like that and you want to be healed, then come see me afterward and I'll pray for you. Okay? Everybody good? Everybody in here is born again? All right, nobody in here? Anybody who's far from God right now? Because I know we, we don't gather here just to have uh, donuts and coffee and kick it. Anybody's far from God right now and you're man enough, just raise your hand right now and you want to get back to him. You just want to re recommit your life. All right, everybody's good? God bless you.